Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 562. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, real quick, Team Zen, we are doing our 100th Zen Talk. So if you don't know what Team Zen is, you can go to our website. Uh, it's basically a live podcast for uh, moms and dads who need some support and need an awesome community. That's what we provide. We've been doing it for, I don't know, a few years now. Um, first month's free. So go to um, our website and coupon code. Our website friend. is zenparentingradio.com. Yes. You keep saying website, but you don't tell them Sorry. what it is. They can Google it. You don't even need URLs these days. Just true. Google it. Um, but yeah, we're just, I don't know. I feel like it's a reason for us to celebrate something that we've been working hard on and all that good stuff. Well, so. I think of it in two ways. Number I it's basically our third podcast because mm-hmm. we have Zen Parenting Radio, we have Pop Culturing, and then we think of Team Zen as being a third podcast because everyone on Team Zen gets a podcast from every talk we do. Sure. We do these Zen talks that Todd's always talking about. And then it also is just, um, it's we're proud of the community because yeah. it's a really amazing group of uh, women and men who support each other and, um, you know, remind everybody that's on the team that they're not alone. Yeah. Uh, and then this Wednesday virtual workshop for the Tribe Men's Group, uh, we're going to be, uh, Sean and Frank are leading a workshop on yoga and meditation. Guys, if you're interested, uh, go to tribemensgroup.org. So now... I'm going to turn it over to my sweetheart because I literally have no idea what we're talking about today. I watched so much Parks and Rec the other day. Because you had a headache. Yes. And it's like probably the most calm show. Yeah. Not a lot of stress. No. Not a lot of stress in Parks and Rec. The only thing that is like hard for me to listen to when I have a headache is the opening. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not a loud song at all, but it is still it kind of like, it's, I don't know, it's just... Wakes me up occasionally. Um, so, and so anyway, why I said that is because literally, it, that that just reminds me of you poking up. <laughs> it's kind of a pleasant it's little... great. That's what I mean. It's really not that loud. It's just, it for your ears, you're used to people talking. But then when a song comes yeah. on... You know what's funny about our society is like, I don't even have the patience to suffer through a 30-second theme song. Think what we used to do when we were little kids. I know. There was no remote control, which is insane. We'd have to get up to turn the channels. Mm-hmm. We'd have, for in Chicago, we'd have channel two, channel five, seven, nine, 11, 32, and 44. Right. But really three networks. And then we would just watch whatever was on. I just kind of remember turning my the channel so quick um, just looking for cartoons. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, do you remember the channel 32 theme? It would be a bunch of kids and they'd go channel 32. No, I don't. Oh. I don't think so. It oh, sounds made up. I didn't make that up. It's in my brain. It's way back in the crevices of my brain. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Oh, what about this? What is it? It says Flintstones 32. This is a, this, and it looks like a channel WFLD. Yeah, that's. Did, I mean, that's a very recognizable sound. Yeah, I don't know. And he's got a picture of Fred Flintstone. Remember the good old days? Yeah. Fred Flintstone. Kinda. I didn't love the Flintstones. What? Mm-mm. Are you whacked? The Flintstones was the Honeymooners, and I didn't love totally. the Honeymooners either. What? I know. Are you whacked? I watched it because I didn't have any choice, but I wasn't psyched for it. Honeymooners is freaking Art Carney 
and Jackie Gleason. Sweetie, the joke of the honeymooners was that he was going to hit his wife. <laughs> Bang, uh, zoom. Right. Yeah. So it's doesn't not, age well. No. At least not that part. And the way he treated his friend wasn't great. Yes. Carney. God, <laughs> such a good So, joke. like, I get the humor. I know people be like, no, Jackie Gleason's great. But sometimes you go back and watch things and you're like, wow, yeah, all the humor. Let's joke about uh, physical uh, abuse to <laughs> well, our spouse. And Alice held her own. Like, she yeah, she's would, tough, little she cookie. She would just stand there and look at him. But still, the joke was, I'm going to hit you. Yeah. So, you know, just doesn't not hang. cool not cool anymore. not cool ralph um, cramden that's right All so right. anyway we are going to um so anyway parks and rec literally is chris traeger's trademark thing that he says and perkins and perkins and rob lowe now has a podcast called literally yes and he interviews people so anyway I'm doing a presentation for a group of parents in the next day or two, and some of the things, we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I wanted to discuss one of the things that's going to be brought up, and i got to sneeze, so you're going to have to... Sweetie, they're going to they're hear the sneezes, because they want the real deal. I'm not cutting the sneezes Come on, out. Don't, I'm not you're going to cut that out. That's no way. Called, it's called a sneeze button or something. Sneeze guard? Yeah. No, sneeze guards are like for oh. salad bars, sweetie. Uh, no, there's a sneeze button or a cough button. A cough button. Yeah. Right. So, But there's no sneeze button. Well, you can cut that out. I don't think people want to hear me sneeze. Uh, you have a cute little sneeze, sweetie. And I don't think it's little. You do not have a cute sneeze, by the way. Your sneeze scares the crap out of me. The older I get. That's what I mean. The more it sounds like my dad, when my dad sneezes, it's like a hurricane is coming through the well, house. Well, that's kind of how I feel with you is it's stressing me out because why I'm turning do you, into my dad? Yeah, like why are you sneezing that loud? I don't know. I got hair, hair growing out of my ears now. I know, but like you used to sneeze like a normal adult human man and now your sneeze scares me. It's mm-hmm. so loud. So like, are you like letting it out more? I've been lifting weights. I'm just oh, getting geez. bigger, more chiseled. Is that it? No, that's not no, what I was looking that's for. That's not it. Okay, so let's talk about the school year. Um, I'm doing a presentation in a couple days for parents and about the school year. And um, as I was putting this presentation together, I thought these are a few things that I want to pull out of it and talk on the sh- talk about on the show. Okay, okay, because you know Todd and I did a show last week about um, you know we called it School 2020 or something, but really it was an overview about how to consider what the teachers were going through, how to consider how we were going to have the experience and how we were going to look at it. And it was a lot of perspective taking. Sure. And today I wanted to talk a little bit more about accepting mm. and reframing okay. this school year. Okay. So if you guys remember, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we talked about the fact that um, this whole experience that we're going through with the pandemic and a different kind of school year, you know, I, I called it an ambiguous loss, mm-hmm. which means that it's an ongoing loss um, that has really no closure yet. We just don't know what this is going to look like going forward. You know, my kids are supposed to go hybrid in a couple of weeks. I'm not counting on that. Mm-hmm. I don't, not because I think anyone's dropping the ball, but nobody knows what's going to happen. And there's no end. There's just no end that we for, we don't we can't, see we it. We can't predict it. We can, or we can predict it, but we don't know it. We don't know it. And this is, you know, I've talked about this with a number of friends. If someone were to say to me, this will be definitely over by January 1. I think we could, could we could confront all this in a very different way. Yeah, a healthier way, probably. A healthier way because we'd be like, okay, how do we get through the next couple months or whatever it may be? But because we don't know, it leaves this like open feeling of loss. There's no, you know, just by the definition of closure, if someone said January 1, we'd know what to do until January 1. Mm-hmm. But because we have to keep that door open, the ambiguous loss has a feeling of just 
by definition, it's chronic loss. Mm. It like goes on and on and we feel like things are dropping away and we feel like there's nothing to ground ourselves and we feel and so a lot of that we unfortunately fight against. We there's a lot of it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, we're swimming up current. We are we are not accepting the isness of the situation. Correct. There is no way there is nobody right now. Politicians, CDC, uh, World Health Organization that can tell us exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So we're so what we end up doing in our lives is we end up trying to find certainty by blaming other people, or you know. And when I say other people, we either blame the system, the system, the politicians, the teachers in our community, our next door neighbor, the care, the child care agency that went out of work. <laughs> it's not a short list of no. people that we can blame. Correct. And why do we blame people? Um, you know, I'm taking this definition from Brene Brown, but blame is a discharge of our own discomfort in our body. We take it out of our body and we project it on somebody else. So instead of us feeling with it, feeling it or like handling it or finding a way to process it, we discharge it onto somebody else. I want you to read that one more time. Or okay. no, you're not reading anything. You're saying it. Uh, blame is... Blame is a discharge, discharge of our own discomfort. Now, that's very similar to projection. But projection is sometimes an unconscious thing that we do where we, and this is more of a clinical term, where something we're doing mm -hmm. that's like bad, wrong, or something we feel bad about, we look at other people and we say they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain leader that tends to do this quite a bit, yeah. where if he is saying something, doing something, in trouble for something, then he points his finger to other people and says, that's what they're doing. Right. And so it's projection is a little more action-oriented. Okay. Blame is really more of like a momentary, you Got know. It. So So all we need to do is is get better at handling our own discomfort. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And let's talk about accepting and reframing. Okay. There's a many different ways to go here, um, but I'm going to kind of go through e each of those three different things. So let's start with accepting. Okay. I got, I'm writing this down. Accepting's on the left column. Okay. And reframing's on the right. Reframing. Okay. okay. And they're not necessarily, they're definitely connected, but they're not like yeah, they, they can overlap. That's yeah, what I'm saying. There's room in the middle. So if there was like a Venn diagram. Um, so let's start with grief. Okay. A big part, and this is part of accepting. Okay. Okay. A big part of ambiguous loss is knowing or loss or this school year or what's going on is knowing that we are all grieving mm. and the acceptance of the grief process allows us not to think that we're losing it. Yeah. Okay. Because what grief is, is, you know, it's funny now that I've read and researched as much about grief and experienced grief myself in so many different ways, there really is no way to like, you know, hammer it down saying this is what grief looks like because it comes at weird times. It's got a lot of paradoxical emotions. Sometimes you think you've moved through something and it comes back. So, but what grief is, is kind of big emotions that come on sometimes when you least expect them. Okay. okay. And, you know, the typical um, stages of grief, um, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, um, those were the typical, and when I say typical, the conventional, um, you know, that's how grief is described by Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's read her work knows that those are the typical stages, but they aren't linear stages. Yeah. 
they are stages of like, we go back and forth. We may start in denial and then get angry, but then go back to denial. And then we start to accept some things and then we jump back to bargaining. It's not a linear. I think when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came out with this information, these stages about grief, people latched onto it like, oh good, now I can conquer grief. Right. And there's no conquering grief. There's only accepting and understanding it. Why I say that is if you wake up some days feeling like, I can do this. I can handle this. That's great. You're not like wrong. You're not off base. You can. Mm -hmm. If you at three o'clock that afternoon say, I'm losing it. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling angry at somebody or something or whatever. That's okay. Right. These are the, these are the waves of grief. Yeah. And you know, for those of you that it may feel uncomfortable to say, I'm not grieving. I don't see how we can be going through this experience of the pandemic and and for me, the election experience, and I'm going through a lot of stuff with my family. My mom hasn't been doing well. Um, you know, I have a daughter who's a senior this year who is not going to get to have a lot of experiences that we, you know, hoped she would have. Sure. Um, you know, just virtual online learning, just plus regular life, work and everything else that we've lost, yeah, right? Yeah, even in normal times, there's yeah. plenty to grieve. Exactly. And so... If we can accept that this is an ambiguous loss where we're grieving, then maybe we won't be so hard on ourselves. Mm. Now, anybody that's grieved knows that there's beauty in grief and there's enlightening experiences and joyful days. And grief is not a downward spiral all the time. It can be for R some. Right. But if managed in a healthy way, it could be a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Like that's the crazy thing about grief is one thing you experience when you are in the midst of grief of any kind of loss is that joy and pain live very close to each other. Mm -hmm. That sometimes like I can even say this is a very safe thing to say, but um, like I, like Todd said, I had a really uh, bad headache this week and I had a migraine and whenever I have a migraine that really knocks me out and that doesn't happen as much as it used to. But when I do get knocked down, um, when I start to feel better, I'm in joy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when you have that much pain. Yeah, the contrast from the what contrast. you felt 18 hours ago or this morning to what you feel now catapults you into joy. Exactly. And you only know that joy. Because you felt like crap. Because I felt like crap. Yeah. And that is the same experience I'm going through with everything with my mother. We've had all these decisions we've had to make about what's going on with her and her care and where she's going to live and all these things. And I've had really dark days. Yeah. And then when something gets figured out or managed, I'm like on cloud nine. Yeah. Okay. So anybody who's gone through, and then with my girls, like you know, with school, we've had things that have been really disappointing and things that have worked out. Mm -hmm. And you feel that the only way we know joy is through the experience of pain. Yeah. And so it's not about looking for pain to feel joy. It's about realizing that, as Maya Angelou used to say, there's a rainbow in every cloud. Yep. Okay. So grief, I... If for me, understanding the process of grief has been helpful during this time because then I don't feel so ungrounded. I understand what's happening and I realize I'm not alone. Yeah. We're all as a nation going through something big and I think we're learning a lot and I have a lot of optimism about what this could bring. So in no way do I think it's like, again, a downward spiral, but I, 
I think we have to accept that is the first thing. Well, and I want to throw out two resources. Please. One is we did a podcast in March of this year called Grief is What You Are Feeling, podcast number 540. We talked about grief expert David Kessler. Yeah, he actually used to work with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Got it. So that was good. So if you're digging this grief topic, because we're, we're about to move on to some other things, uh -huh. that's another resource. And then I'm in this coaching program, and just regarding grief, what, what I've been taught as far as what you need to do is first you got to, and I'm speaking more as a guy who sometimes finds it harder to identify what he's feeling or sometimes like you think you're feeling one thing, but underneath it's something else. Yeah. Like as a guy, sometimes it comes out as anger, but it's really sadness. Yeah. One is you got to like locate it. You got to like identify it. Like, oh, what am I feeling? I'm sad because my senior is not going to be able to experience her typical school year or yeah. something like that. Um, can you locate it in your body? Which And how do you do that? Through conscious breathing like oh this sadness right now i feel a, t a tightness in my chest or a twisting in my belly or kind of on my shoulders or something like that and then can you accept the fact that we're talking about acceptance can you accept the fact that you're feeling sad and then the one part i want to mention is that with each emotion there's something that is beautiful that can be learned to result and grief or sadness is something needs to be let go of mm -hmm. so for this I need to let go of the fact that my daughter is going to have a typical senior year. Mm -hmm. She's not going to have it. So can I just let go of that? So those are some of the steps that I have been kind of working through as far as like, what do we do with these emotions? So anyways. Well, and you know, it's two things. Like you said, that your daughter is not going to have the senior year you had. And I think this is something that I was going to jump to later, but I might as well just say it now. One of the things, just like Todd said, if we can accept that this is our kid's experience and it doesn't make it bad or wrong, it's unfortunate because we were thinking it would be something else. But, you know, I have a, you know, I have clients who have kids in second grade, third grade, kindergarten, uh, preschool, you know, high school, college. And there's a lot of like, yeah, but my sophomore year was like that, or my kindergarten experience was so different, or my fourth grade was my favorite year. And so we're assuming, we're projecting mm -hmm. our expectation or needs on our children and thinking that they need to have what we had. And they and don't they even don't. know what you had. They Exactly. Mm -hmm. And even though we can still grieve what we thought it would be, mm -hmm. that's real. But let's not say it's going to be bad because it's going to be different. Yeah. Let's let them have their experience and see what comes from it. And let's process our own experience instead of presume what their experience is and then help them. Like that's their job to be able to pro and you could help, but the only thing we can do is manage our own feelings about this. And that will put us in a position to be a better mom or a dad. Well, and I just kind of watching my own girls and their friends and some of my clients, children, um, they're actually doing better than we think they are. I know some are struggling, and I know we read the articles about depression is up and there's more suicidal ideation out there. I, I'm not denying that there is also been a challenge and that the challenge will continue. What I'm saying is that some kids are saying, okay, well... This year is going to look like this, mm -hmm. so what can I do with it instead? You know, the kid's going to college. Can I go maybe live in an apartment and work and get some, uh, what's it called, residence? Yep. Re is that what it's called? Residency. Residency. And so then next year my tuition can be less. Can I take a gap year? You know, seniors are like, maybe I'll work and get some, you know, get some money for college. Maybe I will... I guess my point is is that there, there's so many there's different, so ways, many different of ways dealing with this 
whatever, I was going to say crisis for this challenge. Right. And you can, that doesn't mean that you have to like always take the bright side of everything, but there is a bright side even to this darkness. Well, and the things that our children are going to get, we may not know yet. These things that are happening right now, we may not know what the outcome of them are for a while. And I'm very optimistic that some of the things that come out of this will be very positive. Mm -hmm. I think our kids have learned a lot in a very short period of time. I think they will have a different viewpoint on life. I think they will have a different viewpoint on expectation and change and shift and creativity and the way that they, you know the way that they view structure and meaning the structure can change and that we can adapt, you know, adaptability. So I know that I can't guarantee anybody anything, but I think for as many challenges as we're having, we're also experiencing something that we can't fully grasp yet. Yeah. And I think about like the collective, like there is a generation of kids that are really being challenged right now in a way that we have never been challenged. And I agree, there's going to be some uh, cost or some yeah, negative impact to it, mm-hmm. but there's also going to be some resilience, whatever it is. We don't know what it is yet, right. but there's going to be some gold there too. Exactly. Exactly. So within that, you know, we just, we're talking about grief and then we were really tangential with all that other information. But the other thing under accepting is accepting the paradoxical emotions that you're having. Again, I just said that about grief, but I want to be, I want to take it off grief for a second and just if you can give yourself more room and your children more room to be a little more um, emotionally, um, sometimes it's going to be big, emotionally aware, um, emotionally, I don't like the word volatile because that sounds negative. What's a good, like uh, bigger, like emotionally, what's the word I'm looking for? Expansive. Expansive. Where that they can have a good cry and then have a good laugh an hour later. Yeah. Because what we what kids and adults learn through that those paradoxical emotions where we're like all over the place is they learn how to self-regulate. Yeah. And they also learn that feeling sad in one moment doesn't mean the whole day is gonna suck. That you can like feel crappy at noon and feel better at two. Sure. Like and let your kid grieve or be sad or be upset because a lot of times as parents shuts that down Uh, absolutely because it's making us uncomfortable so let them have their experience in the most healthy way possible so because what they're what this emotion is doing these kids are experts at this in a way that us adults are not they're creating space by letting this go now sometimes it's negative like if the kid's hitting his sister or his brother that's behavior yeah that's something different Mm -hmm. but if there's just some emotion happening it's not a problem well and like todd said they really know what to do because it's not like you know some kids have emotions stuck inside their bodies already but most kids are just having an emotion and allowing it to go through a lot of us when we're healing as adults there's emotions that come up that are old that we're trying to get you know we're trying to feel for the first time that we're trying to release kids are just kind of still they're so brand new yes so they get sad and they cry and they let it out you know they get mad and they say what they mean and let it out and i feel like you know i've been talking about that we all have um, we all, meaning anybody who works in social emotional awareness, we've been trying to make it okay for kids to have this expansive expression forever. Mm. And now we have this greater opportunity to do that, to do that yeah. where this is a healthy thing because self-regulation doesn't mean never having different emotions. It means monitoring and allowing for emotions without that negative behavior. Yeah. Okay. So 
again, we're still talking about accepting. We talked about grief. We just talked about paradoxical emotions. And I want to talk about change, okay? Change has always been happening since the day you were born. Your cells have overturned. What is it, Todd? Every seven years, we're like a different. We're different. Yeah, we, it's all turned over. All every of our seven cells years, are every cell is different. Like the old ones die, the new ones come in. So yeah. So like our body is different every seven years. I remember every seven Deepak years. talking about that. And and I only say that because sometimes I think we really do think we control our surroundings, and that you know, it, as we get older, things aren't as noticeable as far as change goes. Like that's why kids get so annoyed when every time they see an adult they haven't seen in a year. The adult always says, oh, you're so big. Mm. My kids are always like, that's so annoying. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's all people say. Oh, you're so old. Oh, you're so big. Because we get to a certain age where we don't change so obviously. And so we kind of feel stuck in time for yeah. a period of time. And I'm totally guilty of that. I used to, I remember being annoyed when old people would say, <laughs> my, you've grown. My, you've grown. And now I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to that kid? I know. We just do it because... Our kids demonstrate the passage of time through their growth. Sure. You and I look at each other and we're like, yeah, we got married when we're 30 and aren't we still 30? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we've almost been together or we've been together a long time, but we've almost been married 20 years. Yeah. And it's like, I kind of, what, what the hell? How'd like, that where, <laughs> you know, like where'd it go? So the passage of time for us feels a little, you know, it's an understatement. It feels different mm -hmm. than it does. Our kids demonstrate time, but- Everything is changing all the time. And we think we're predicting things, but we're really not. We're just kind of things sometimes get into a rhythm. We are not in a rhythm right now as a country. We're not in a rhythm right now because of the pandemic, because of the virus. We're not in a rhythm right now because school is very different. So it's kind of like we're doing some, I'm going to be really, we're, we're doing some jazz. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean, because for those of you who like jazz, jazz can be pretty fun and, and amazing. Jazz is... Um what was I going to say? I think of uh, stand-up comedians. What am I thinking of? Uh, well, they go to Second City Improv. It's improvisational. Exactly. It's improv. It, like every every like, musician just plays what they want to yeah. play. And you feed, and then you work off exactly. the other instruments in the band. Yeah. So our kids are throwing us curveballs left, left and right. Yeah. Our governor's throwing us curveballs. Our president's throwing us curveballs. Our boss is throwing us curveballs. Everybody's. So it's time for us to get jazzy. We're just jazz hands, man. Just, you know, get your jazz hands going. Like we are, where before maybe we had a little more of a symphony. We had a little, maybe sometimes it was more rock and roll. This is all jazz. And that doesn't, but again, jazz is not bad. It's just different. And it's changing. It's more noticeable that it's changing. Okay. So like maybe when you're playing a song that has a repeat chorus and everything, you're like, yeah, this is what we do every year. And it repeats. Um, this is the, you know, very typical song. I'm used to this song, you know, pop music, right? But jazz, you don't know what's coming. But that can be really interesting, right? Are you going to play me some jazz? There we go. This is one of the best jazz songs of all time. It's by Lionel Hampton, and it's called It Don't Mean a Thing. See? Don't mean a thing. Ooh, listen to that drum. Like, do they really not know what the other... There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. 
you know what? I should start listening to more jazz. You know what? You would probably like jazz. It's going you. It's just kind of got a feel to it. Well, I feel like the best musicians have to do jazz because they feel music rather than I mean. Then then play it off a piece of paper. Correct. They're just that. like going with the. And as parents, food. we want to parent from a piece of paper. We want to be pop stars. We as want parents. To, we want to parent from a book. And if you're going to be a really quote unquote good parent, you're not going to be able to get it from a book. You're going to have to be jazz like. You're going to have to learn how to improv. Yeah. And and go with some feel. And that's what we're doing right now. And and I just I guess I'm reiterating that you know as far as acceptance goes, if you can accept that things were always changing and that you really even though you thought you had control, you really didn't. <laughs> and most of you, if you're my age, if you're in your late 40s, you've had enough experiences to know you're not in control. Um, things have happened. You've been shocked. You know, there's been health issues, there's been, you know, death, there's been sickness. And you're like, oh, wait a second, I didn't plan on this. And what we have to do is shift and, and, you know, know our jazz, like just figure out what to do next, do the next right thing. So, so again, just to bring this home, accepting is about grief, paradoxical emotions and change. Okay. I knew you're going to play this. So this is my favorite song of all time. It's by Blind Melon. It's called Change. And I I just can't let this go by. It's just too good of an opportunity. So I'll only play 10 more seconds. What's this? Is that a harmonica? Yeah. Shannon, he died at 27. I know. What is it with 27? I don't know. I don't feel the sun's coming out today. He's probably on heroin right there during the video. Poor guy. Um, I feel like I want to play a song for each section, but I'm not going to. We played Change for Change. Uh-huh. You had Accepting. You had Grief. I got another Change song that I love. Which one? It's by a guy named John Waite. John. W-A-I-T-E. Okay. Just started from the beginning. It's that... a great 80s song. Is this it? Mm-hmm. Is this the I've Been Missing You guy? Yeah. I loved this song. This is on MTV all the time. It's a total sweetie song. Oh my gosh. It was also in Vision Quest. Do you oh, remember? Really? When he's doing the pegboard. Oh really? Listeners, which song which chain song is better? Sweeties or mine? It, does it have to be a competition? Can they both exist? I like Shannon's song, too. Sweetie, they can both exist. I like Blind As long as we decide mine's better, that's fine. (laughs) Okay. All right. So are we good with accepting? Can we move on to reframing? Yes. We're 30 minutes in. Does that sound about right? It's perfect. Okay, Because now we're moving on to the next one. And I have three pages here, by the way, but I'm only going to stick to this box right here. Yes. Got it. Okay. So reframing. So if we can be more accepting of this time... And we can then practice some reframing of how we see it, okay? So let's talk about, you know, this is going to be an obvious one, school, okay? We have come to believe that school is supposed to be a certain way and that school is kind of like there for us to take our kids away from us so we can be alone and teach them and give them all the social work and all the social emotional and, you know, teach them how to be with people. We kind of... We've grown up with this belief system that that's what everybody does. And I understand that. I went to a public school. You went to you went to a private school. But that's what we did our whole lives, yeah, right? Yeah, minus uh, the homeschoolers, we basically farm out right. our kids' education. Which is fine. That's a, We've chosen that's to do that, is, right? you know, as a family for our three kids. So it's not that we did something wrong by doing that, but it's about seeing school as something much bigger in that 
I think this, why it's very hard for people to shift to this remote learning or how's it going to be or will hybrid start or, you know, why everybody is so uncomfortable is they, they believe that there's one way school should be and we just have to get back to that way. Yeah. And I think what this experience is teaching us is that that one way wasn't really beneficial for everybody. Now, does that mean that I don't want to get back to what's quote unquote normal? No, of course, that'd be great if we could have a little more typical school experience. But I think right now, if we can reframe school as something broader than just our kids sitting in a classroom, mm -hmm. like can school be how they manage online challenges? Yeah. Can school be how willing they are to send an email and ask for help? Can school be their ability to learn how to take breaks? Or ask, you know, like today, Skylar started school. My other two are in high school, so they don't start till tomorrow. And, you know, she was figuring out today, like, okay, I was really hungry and there wasn't enough time for breaks. Okay, well, we have to figure out how to manage your time better. Like we need to maybe cut apples in the morning mm -hmm. or you need to have a blanket close by because the house was so freezing freezing this morning. It's so hot outside, but one of my daughters likes the house super cold. And we like fight over the uh, thermostat. thermostat. Um, but you need to have a blanket close by because you can't move. You got to go to the bathroom before you sit down. Like, I know these sound like small things, but you guys, the small things are the big things about life. Mm. You know, I think we have gotten so focused on our kids need to have this specific academic experience and that equals success. And there's absolutely nothing true about that. Once kids are done with school, um, high school, and then even college, they never have an experience like that again. Right. What they, what they then learn how to do is interact with other people. They learn how to, again, self-regulate, how to manage their time, how to, you know, get things done with some autonomous, uh, with some autonomy, I'll say. Yep. Um, and that's what this experience is, is how can our kids learn how to learn how to learn mm -hmm. within this experience. Can we, can we broaden what our definition of school is? Yeah. yeah just I, the, the image I'm thinking of is just fluidity. Yeah. Like water, like water just kind of moves around. Right. And I feel like a lot of us, we just, we like predictability. We do. We like control. Yes. And what this experience has taught us as we record this on April 24th, 2020, is that there's no predictability. Mm -hmm. There's really very little control. And we just got to have to adjust in in the moment. Right. Really, if you think about it, it's such a wonderful opportunity to get present. Like, because yeah. if, if we're not going to be present during you know, our kids melting down because they don't know how to log on to the Zoom for school, like breathe. Like, can mm -hmm. we just like breathe right. when this happens? Because the day is not going to go according to any of our plans. Right. Can we just accept that for a second? And because anybody could be Zen when you're having a good day. Can you be Zen when you're having a bad day? That's the trick. Well, and I was interested this morning that um, I was on social networking kind of early, and I was noticing that there were already a lot of parents saying that they were frustrated by the day and that this wasn't going to work, and can you believe how many emails they've gotten and that they're already overwhelmed, and we hadn't even begun yet. Yeah, like, let's... <laughs> and and I guess I was looking at it like, you guys, come on, like, let's take a breath here. Pump the brakes. And let and not to judge the feelings you're having, because your feelings are justified, but I think to go on social networking and being like, is everyone as overwhelmed as I am? Like, just let's see what happens today, yeah. because what you have forgotten if you're feeling that way is that everybody the teachers are learning how to do like 
I was listening to my daughter's first class and it was so funny. It was so cute because um, one of the teachers was trying to play a piece of music for them and I, he couldn't get it to start. Mm. And there was this kid who undid their microphone. So cute. And uh, JC said it was a girl. I thought it was a guy, but it, she said, um, I'm not sure, but I did summer camp online and I think you need to push the button at the top of the corner, but I don't know for sure. Mm. And then he did it and it worked. Nice. And that's learning. That's yeah. education. And I loved the way she did it because you know how kids always have to make sure they don't like piss Up, off an upset adult? Grown ups, exactly. Yeah. Cause adults have such an ego about yeah. like, don't tell me what to do. And I feel like this kid was like, I don't, I'm not trying to make you mad. Yeah. Cause they weren't really even supposed to turn their mic on. Right. You know, but that experience, like I was listening to that and I'm like, good for her. Yeah. Like, because then she solved the problem and that can be a real, that's education. Yeah. Like use your skills. And if we can broaden, our definition and say to our kids, like at the end of the day, I don't know if any of you guys do this, but if you have dinner together, there's lots of language for this. Like Todd always says, what's your shadow and what's your gold? What do you always say? I say lots of things. Well, I always, you know, something simple like what was the best thing that happened today? What was the hardest thing? One good, one bad. What's, you know, what's the light? What's the dark? What's the shadow? You know, whatever. And, and like, Allow your kid to like focus on, yeah, this part was tough. You don't, we don't have to deny tough things, but what happened that was pretty interesting or good? Mm -hmm. And having that practice of just pointing out that in this process, we're becoming educated in ways that we didn't expect before. We were so focused on my kid has to have this class and this teacher and this grade and this AP and this SAT. And I'm not saying those things are gone, but do we now understand? That that's not the track. Yeah, that was a game that we were all playing that we were addicted to yeah. a year ago. And now COVID's like, you know what? Maybe ACTs and SATs aren't as important because they can't give the test in the same way. Right. Yet here we are still waking up in the morning and maybe you can figure out if you go to a certain college without having taken the ACT or the yeah. SAT. Whereas a year ago, that would have been insane. And we would have been like, you have to take this class for this and you have to do this for this. Like my daughter is now going through the applying to colleges process. And let me tell you, it's very different. Mm. I'm not, they may, once we're back in a normal school situation, it may go back to the way it was before. There's no guarantees, but I don't think so. Yeah. I think when you've stretched a rubber band, mm. it's hard to bring it back to the yeah. way it was before. I, I hope so. I hope this is shaking up the system a little bit. I hope so too. I mean, and, and it happens everything like with just um, commercial office buildings. Like, there's a lot of companies out there that are completely reframing their strategy, downsizing, and downsizing, letting people work from home in a way that it never would have been possible a year ago. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but yeah, I mean, just when you thought you knew how something worked. Now all of a sudden it works differently. And that's and I like Todd saying, it, I'm not saying it's good or bad, because for some that means job loss. For commercial real estate people, that can be a challenge. Um, for some that may mean having to work from home when you have kids running around. Like not all of it's ideal or perfect, but when you're restructuring something, we're kind of re-strategizing, mm. you know, when we're trying to figure this out and there will, because I think the thing we forget is we're all romanticizers, right? <laughs> we'll look back on something and go, oh, when I had infants, it was the perfect time. It was not, it was hard yeah. and you were tired. It's called amnesia. Exactly. And before the pandemic, there were challenges. Yeah. They may not have been as bold and bright as they are now, but there were challenges. So things were not perfect before. And I think we romanticize 
the old way. And now we're in the middle of the messiness and we want the normal back. Who doesn't, right? But while we're in the middle of the the messiness, let's see what plays out. And not all of it's easy, but there's light and dark. Okay. Next one. So that's school. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we reframe how we see our kids? Okay. That instead of our kids being little humans, um, growing humans that need to get A's on everything, that they are like full human beings that are, that need help with understanding their emotions. They need help and support as they're going through change. They need help and support understanding themselves and what they're experiencing and how to deal with, um, uncertainty, that they are human beings who have really creative ideas and resiliency, that there's a lot of aspects to them that we may have been ignoring before. Can we start to maybe see, this is connected to school, but it's beyond school. Like, you know, how has your kid been able to deal with the last six months? Like what skills did you see? I I know you're probably going to say, well, they were on, you know, gaming all the time. Maybe they were for some of the time, but what skills did you see them, you know, grow in? Mm. Like, what did you see them do that was different? Even if it was to choose different friends that they spend time with or spend more time alone or spend more time on the phone or spend more time walking by themselves or moving or exercising or, um, like, yeah, like I'm sure our brain has focused a lot on what is wrong. What's not working. Yeah. And, and all we're inviting you to do is can you put half as much energy onto observing what happens to be going that is interesting or right? Yeah. So, like, what's what did you see that helped you understand your child in a different way? Maybe some of their struggles became more clear, and maybe you wouldn't have noticed those if things went on as they did before. Maybe some of their skill sets have really come out, and they wouldn't have if things had, you know, or maybe, I don't know, but I feel like the way I know my children now, I've always felt like I've known them well, but think about the amount of time we've spent with our kids. I was just saying to one of my buddies this weekend, like, my oldest daughter was going through a crazy schedule last right before COVID. She would wake up at 6 a.m. She'd get her butt to school by 7. She'd come home. She'd grab a snack. She'd go to the movie theater, which is where she worked. She'd come home, have dinner at like 10 o'clock. Sometimes at midnight. Um, and then she would do her homework after yeah. wolfing down some leftover Chipotle. (laughs) Like, and I would see her for like four seconds. So for me, I'm going to be eternally grateful for at least this part of COVID because it created, and even JC says like, I'm not going to do that again. She that's, and these are kind of the examples is that she She was was in that spiral. She was caught in that race. And when we would say things like, can you cut back on your hours or can you do this? Or can you talk to your teacher about not having to do all these things at once? She'd be like, nope, 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 nope. She was in the spiral. And then when the spiral stopped, she was like, whoa, that was really uncomfortable. It's like being on a roller coaster that you can't get off. And so just kind of recognizing, seeing our kids differently, and maybe some of their their challenges came out, Mm. but that didn't mean the challenges weren't there before. You just didn't see them. Maybe (laughs) this exposed them in a healthier way than it would have had COVID not happened. Exactly. And, And I know for some who are saying, yeah, but now all these challenges are out in the open and now I'm feeling overwhelmed by them. That's where you want the problems. Exactly. You... You, that's a good way to say it. Like you don't want them underneath 
where you didn't get to see them or support your child or help them develop some of these skill sets they need once they leave your home, yeah. now they're developing with them with some support yeah. around them. So anything else about reframing the way we look at our kids? Nope. Okay, the last one, the last one, which is kind of full of three or four things here, uh, reframing what's most important. Priorities. Okay, so priorities, and not just about like saying the priorities out loud, because if we ask any parent, they'll say, we'll say, what's most important? And they'll say, my kids, my family. Want them to be happy. Exactly. And they'll, you know, they'll say the right thing, but is that really the action that's being taken at home? And the things that I wrote down, and I'm just using these as as the examples of what I think I've noticed not only in my own family, but the families I'm working with and everything I'm reading about what's happened in the last six months with COVID and the change that we're seeing in the schools and everything. What's most important right now is number one, our children and our mental wellness. And the reason I use mental wellness is, you know, use that language is that not all of us are maybe struggling with a chronic diagnosable disorder, but all of us are having experiences with depression, anxiety. This just comes with change, grief, um, things that we may need to have more tools available to us to deal with this volatility. And so we have been forced to, like, that's what Team Zen is. To cre- We developed a virtual community. We did it before the pandemic, but we were so grateful to have a, a parenting community that was supportive because it gave us a place to go yeah. it, and it helped people ask for help and support. And it allowed us to have an opportunity to learn from others. And so mental wellness is vital, even when things seem to be, even when we're in, you know, pop music kind of life, yeah. like where everything's kind of going along and we think we know what the chorus is going to be. Um, Mental wellness sometimes gets hidden behind other things. Sure. So that's one thing. The other thing is self care. Um, you know that I that language just is so, um, not redundant. What a, it just doesn't encapsulate anymore what I'm talking about. Um, but what I know for myself, and I'm still going through this right now, is that I really feel like I can do a lot. And sometimes I just go, 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 go. And I'm and my go, go, go is not about being productive and busy like Todd's. Mine is about taking care of everybody. So my go, go, go is how is this person? Is this person okay? Have I talked to this person? Have I asked this person to lunch? Have I, you know, gotten this for my mom? Is my sister doing okay? Like that's chronically my brain. Okay. There has to be days, moments, hours that I don't do that. And if not, my body gives out on me. I don't know what happens to you guys, but I literally have almost like a, a flip switch that goes off, like mm. a, a safety valve. Yeah. <laughs> and I go I go down. Where you can't, I even if you can't. wanted to Correct. support your mom or me or the girls, uh, your body's like, nope, sorry. And, you know, who knows? But yesterday could have been that thing. I think it was. So you, Kathy got a migraine yesterday after a long week of- I'd say a long month. Long- six months, whatever it is. Yeah, but, but but I mean, for me, like everything kind of changed with my mom, the, my birthday. Yeah. And so it's been about three and a half weeks. Yeah. And even though I've definitely had rest in between sure. there, it's not, it, you know, it's not but like- But your I body didn't. basically said, hey, uh, pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in bed today. Yep. And even though you didn't want to be in bed, you didn't have a choice. I didn't. But this is the interesting thing is that there's a lot of times I get a headache that I'm pissed and I'm like, oh, uh, and yesterday I literally woke up and said, I'm 
exhausted. I'm emotionally exhausted. My body's exhausted. And there were points I took a shower. I tried to walk around. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like there are points that you have to accept. Yeah. Going back over to acceptance now. Exactly. And and for those of you who are like, but I can't, I can't, I know. I mean, I really had to be like to my girls, um, you know, we got to figure something out today because I can't do this. Like, and I had to call my sister and say, I can't help with mom today. Like, I know that it feels like we're dropping the ball on people, but we have to have, we, we have to figure something out. The best case scenario for me is when I work those days in so I don't have to fall to the ground. Yeah. You know, like when I'm like, I'm going to go away by myself for a day or two and then I don't have to get sick. Yeah. You know, I do because our immune system gets run down, and this is not a good time to have a rundown immune system. No. It's really not. Um, and you know, obviously, for our children, them learning how to take care of themselves in the midst of all this grief and change. Again, I keep talking about self-regulation, but that really is self-care. Right? Like, how do I manage when these feelings come up, and do I have tools? Yeah. Um, and then connection to each other is the most important thing. I mean that. We have watched people literally deteriorate because of lack of connection, mm. you yeah. know, like teenagers not seeing their friends, seniors not seeing their their family, you know, partners who aren't able to live in the same house because of their jobs and they're putting themselves on the line. Like we're deteriorating when we're not connected. Yeah. And so we have learned how vital that is. You know, we have the study. We know everybody knows the study. Anybody who took any classes about children is that, you know, the it, we could never study this again, but there was a time when there when children, I can't remember what country it was in, but some children were touched and mm. ch- and some oh, children yeah. were not touched. Yeah. And the mm. children who were not touched literally died. Yeah, I remember learning about that in a high school class and I think it was during around World War II yes. and it was in England. Yep. Was it England? Yeah, and there's certain kids who had people around them to at least pick them up, yep. pick up the infants. Yep. And the other kids for whatever reason they just let them sit there but they yep. gave them food and water yep. but there was no physical touch. Yep. And yeah, to Kathy's point, it was um they very called it, obvious. They called it failure to thrive. Yeah. And the inability to thrive was the lack of connection and touch of another human being. So we've, you know, we've already had that. Ex- we know this to be true. We knew it before this happened, but we just experienced it. Well, and we it. are homo sapiens. I just read this long 500-page book on sapiens, and we, it's in our DNA. Right. Like, we are, we, there is a need of physical touch. Absolutely. And it's easy to forget that, especially as our kids are getting older and their body starts changing and you think like, don't forget about that either. Like, and you got to do it in a way that feels appropriate to them. Like I, you know, my, some of my daughters don't really like hugs as much as they used to, but they'll take foot rubs. So we got to get creative. Or shoulder rubs or, you know, like there's, there's always a way. Um, and then the last thing that I want to talk about is just a few things that, We've done that I think have been helpful and also things I've recommended to other people. We don't do all these things anymore, but just things that we've tried is if we're really going to be able to manage through this change and this uncertainty is we have to be able to point out um, the, you know, talk about our feelings and then point out what's working, right? So like, I really, really want to emphasize for everybody the importance of journaling um, or the importance of, if not your own private journal, maybe putting quotes on like boards in your house or, um, you know what I mean by boards, like dry erase boards Mm. or having, you know, lists that you make, maybe gratitude journaling, um, maybe having 
um, like we had some jars. I think we talked about this already that at the height of the pandemic, like in March or April, that you could just write on a post-it something that you missed and something that you're grateful for. And we put them in jars. Um, I also, in my meditation area, I have a wish jar and every day after my meditation, I, I make a wish. It's more like a prayer. Um, but we have to have some kind of action, um, that I think that really helps with establishing, or focusing on, or like, you know, hardwiring our, you know, our neuron, what not, what am I looking for? Oh, helping these neurons fire in a way, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together, right? So if we really are trying to look at things differently, then we should take actions to help us look at things differently. You know, people talk about, yeah, you'll be more happy if you gratitude journal. It's not just about being happy. It's about having a a perspective. Again, this whole section is about reframing. You know, like if you want to tell your kids something great about them, write something on a post-it and put it on their door, put it on their pillow, send them texts, send them emails. No, teenagers don't look at emails. Um, You know, your partner, if they did something for you, send them a text, Your, your parents, your friends, like reaching out to people and letting them know how much they helped you. And then, you know, just doing the small things within your house at dinner time, talking about what's working and what's not, or what you're appreciative of, like incorporating even just one thing. You don't have to do everything I just said. Just one thing shifts your neurobiology. Yeah, And that helps us reframe and wake up and look at our experience a little differently. And I would invite everybody to, so what you're talking about is a daily ritual. Right. And make sure that it takes no longer than two minutes. I, I 100% agree. Two minutes, because the minute you say 10 minutes or 30 minutes, it's you're, too much. you're gonna lose a lot of people. Yeah. Any of us can do anything for two minutes. And you know, I recommend doing it like, you know, fitting it into something you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Like right before you go to bed, I have this whole ritual before I go to bed. So I always write something before I go to bed or during my meditation before I'm done. I have these candles before I blow them out. I do bump, bump, bump. You know, yeah. these are the things I do. And so I've incorporated a lot into that or before you take your vitamins or before you, you know, exercise or so you try and incorporate it into your day somehow. Don't make it another thing. Make it something connected to something else. You did what was that? that? I did a workshop called Atomic Habits Atomic for Habits, my men's group. Yeah. And it's actually up on the Tribe Men's Group website. So I'll put it in the show notes. If anybody wants to see the PowerPoint that I worked mm-hmm. off of or watch the workshop, which um, is, went really well in my judgment, but it's just a very accessible way to start building in daily routines or let go of routines that are not working for you. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's it, everybody. This is about accepting and reframing, looking at the school year differently, enjoying your jazz music. That's right. And if you didn't enjoy jazz before, let's learn how to appreciate it. That's right. Um, all right. So Zen Talk number 100 this Friday. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this Thursday. Thursday yeah. And uh, we hope uh, to see you. We'll keep talking about the school year. We know that this isn't like a one-shot conversation. We're all going through it together. We're all dealing with change and uncertainty, and we can do it. We have the capacity to manage a day-by-day experience. We really do. So we're in it with you. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. 
Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.